Welcome to the Rock Podcast. We believe this podcast is built on the rock and will teach and equip you for the works of ministry. We believe and trust God that the teachings will give you the keys to enter into a deeper revelation of the Word. We pray that the Holy Spirit will ignite an unstoppable fire in you and that it will transform you and every place you set your feet. Enjoy today's episode. Hello, hello everybody and welcome to today's episode of The Rock Podcast. My name is Peter and it's such an honor to be with you today. And uh, let me tell you, I've got an excitement in my spirit for what the Lord is about to reveal in this episode. And may you experience that as well. May you also experience this excitement and inspiration of the spirit, a renewal of doctrine, theology, faith, and at the same time, a reignition of that fire that has brought you all this way. So again, welcome to today's episode. And uh, and, and let me just encourage you to uh, uh, to go through this episode. And if you have any questions, please send us a uh, send those questions, go look up all the references, do your own studies, and it will be so great and such an honor to interact with you around the topics that we're going to be discussing today and over the next couple of weeks as as we're, we start leading up to Christmas. Can you believe Christmas is barely a month away and uh, and what a, what a good time it's going to be. So today I want to, want to speak about the topic of salvation and, and it's one of those topics there uh, that, that we often receive questions about, but specifically around some of the confusing facts or confusing verses um, that remains very difficult to interpret or to study um, without the assistance of the Holy Spirit. And I think some of the questions, just to give you an example of what we're going to be talking about today, some of the questions we often receive are questions like, how do I gain salvation? Can I lose my salvation? How do I know if someone is born again? Do I need to be baptized to be saved? What are the benefits of salvation? Does salvation automatically include uh, receiving the Holy Spirit and, uh, and and so many others? So we're gonna we're gonna touch um, really shortly on, uh, on 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 some of these uh, some of these topics and may it really um, may it really bring some clarity to you today, specifically around um, eternal life, around the benefits of salvation, and also about the heart and the love, the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ uh, in this whole process and this whole life as as Christians. So let's let's kick off. And uh, I, I want to start with the question, how do I gain salvation? So one of the practices we started observing in churches over the last uh, decade or two is the practice of the altar call. And the altar call basically states that you either raise your hand, do a certain action, um, thereby declaring your faith in Jesus Christ and then receiving said salvation. And a lot of people would ask, but if I if I participate in an, in an altar call, if I participated in an altar call, am I really saved? And again, the answer might surprise you as it is not always as clear cut as it seems, yet it is at the same time. So um, I want to read to you Romans 10 verse 9, and it says this, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he has been raised from the dead, you will be saved. In other words, salvation is really as simple as declaring with your mouth and believing in your heart. And and, and that is where the altar call comes in. You see, the altar call is merely a symbolic 
symbolic expression, an external symbolic expression of an internal belief that you've confessed with your mouth. So as long as you've done that, um, there are no other conditions that needs to be met. So that is the very starting point of salvation. So if you did happen to participate in an altar call, you confess with your mouth and you truly believe that Jesus has been raised from the dead. You truly believe that in the depths of your heart, you have been saved. And and, and it really is as simple as that. So why do we do the altar call? It is merely a step of faith responding to the call to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior by confessing with our mouths, believing in our hearts, and uh, and then oftentimes doing some kind of symbolic action to state that, uh, that we are now part uh, of a new family. We've been born into a new covenant. So, so, so where it gets a little bit more complex is around the topic of repentance. So salvation is received through that simple act. But if salvation does not include repentance, in other words, they're turning away from wicked ways and turning towards Jesus Christ and His righteousness, there will always be a tension in the spirit that'll feel like a condemnation because you are still living in the flesh not in the spirit. The act of repentance dissipates the tension felt between the flesh and the spirit, the tension of condemnation, and that leads to conviction. So condemnation is overturned into conviction, and conviction leads to salvation. So the spirit convicts you, and through that conviction of the spirit, your response leads your spirit to being born again, um, away from that place of slavery to sin, and into friendship and relationship with Jesus Christ. So, so the beautiful thing about salvation, salvation includes covenant. So, so before we receive the salvation of Jesus Christ, we're living in a covenant, an old contract uh, with the sinful nature, with our sinful nature. But once we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, that contract gets renewed, it gets re-signed by the blood of Jesus Christ, and we enter into a new covenant such as uh, one uh, enters into in a marriage. We enter into a new covenant, a new contract, a new life, um, which includes eternal life. And this new covenant is gained through a very simple act of repentance, through a very simple act of Romans 10 verse 9, confessing and believing. You see, we often believe that we have to do a lot of work to get to the place of salvation, but really um, receiving salvation is a mere response on the work that has already been done. Uh, covenant is something that comes from God. It is God signing the contract. It's God entering into the contract with us. We merely accept the contract that he has already signed. Um, it's, it's, it's much the same if you, if you read the book of Hosea, Hosea 1 and 3, where we read about Hosea that is commanded by God to, uh, to take an unfaithful wife as his own, um, knowing that she will be unfaithful, knowing that she will fall into sexual immorality. Um, yet he still chooses to marry and go into covenant uh, with this unfaithful wife, knowing what is about to come. And it's, and it's very much the same with God. God goes into a covenant with us, knowing that we will be unfaithful, knowing that we will walk away from him time upon time upon time, yet he will keep on pursuing, he will keep on loving, he will keep on showering us with grace and mercy, even though we remain the unfaithful wife in this covenant. See, the purpose of the cross was always to restore us back into a relationship with our Father, to restore us back into that place of sonship, of daughtership. We are sons and daughters of God, of the Most High God. And, and an example we see of that is again Hosea. As Hosea continuously pursues this unfaithful wife in, uh, in his desire to see her 
enjoy the relationship with the bridegroom and experience the forgiveness of the Father. And that is what happens in salvation. See, and that leads us to our next question. Can I lose my salvation? And there's this school of thought at the moment that says, once saved, always saved. And that is simply not the truth. That is not the word of God. That is not correct doctrine. That is not correct theology. Um, the Bible, in fact, does not talk about that principle. Once saved, always saved. Yes, as long as you remain in Jesus Christ, you will always be saved. You don't need to do uh, go forward in, in, and do another altar call. You don't need to answer on the prayer for salvation again. But if that's not you, you can lose your salvation. So, so any believer who renounces their faith in Christ and subscribes to a belief system that is diametrically opposed uh, to faith in Christ can lose their salvation and become an unbeliever. Why? For if we deny him, he will also deny us. We read in Ezekiel 18 verse 24 to 26, uh, when a righteous person turns away from his righteousness and does injustice and does the same ab uh, abominations that the wicked person does, shall he lives. None of the righteous deeds that he has done shall be remembered for the treachery of which he is guilty and the sin he has committed. For them he shall die. And, and again, that is that is simply part of the justice, part of the fairness, the righteousness of our God. So when a righteous person turns away from his righteousness and does injustice, the word of God says, you shall die for it. For the injustice um, that we do, we shall die. And 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 I think we often, we often believe that we think that we can get away with the fact that we've left our first love. Yet if we look at the example of Hosea, uh, if the unfaithful wife did not accept him to be her husband again, she would have been lost in some kind of human trafficking. And and, and that is just the way it is. If, if we uh, commit our lives to sin, we will die in sin. But if we commit our lives to the Lord, to Jesus Christ, uh, we will live with Him. And and it's really as simple as that. So, so can you lose your salvation? Yes, you can. If you turn away from righteousness and turn towards wickedness, if you turn your back on Jesus Christ, you're no longer under protection of eternal life. It really is as simple as that. Hebrews 6 verse 4 to 6 says this, It is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, the heavenly gift of salvation, and have shared in the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own home and holding Him up to contempt. So, so what is this verse telling us? It, it, it is simply enlightening us to the fact, telling us that uh, if you have received salvation before and you've left the Word of God, um, you have fallen away from Jesus Christ. You are once again crucifying him. You are once again holding him up to contempt. In other words, you are now the one hammering in those nails on the cross. And, and again, as in the case of Isaiah, if you do return uh, to your first love, you, if you do return to the bridegroom and step into the place of being a bride once again, as as we read in Revelation, um, you you will be accepted back into the house of the Lord. But if you do not, it will be impossible for you to uh, um, to be restored to repentance. See, if you if you fall away, you are constantly crucifying Jesus Christ again and again and again. So will he forgive you? Yes, he can. But it doesn't mean you automatically still have your salvation. You cannot turn away from covenant, step out of a covenant, ex and expect to still be in it without intentionally entering back into it. 
So, so there needs to be an intentional action, an intentional action of repentance, an intentional act of confessing with your mouth and believing again in your heart before you'll be in that place of salvation. So, so uh, wh- why would it be like that? Um, if it wasn't like that, if we could simply uh, confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts and then be saved forever, grace would become so cheap that most people will simply be part of an altar call and then step away from the faith for the rest of their lives. It would be as though they've received a ticket to heaven, which again is not in the word of God. It is not that simple. So again, salvation is also only the starting point of the Christian discipleship life. It is only the starting point. See, uh, what, what are the other questions we often get is, how do I know if someone is born again? And Matthew 3 verse, 3 verse 8 says this. It says the Bible, it says... Uh, um, in keeping with repentance, you need to bear fruit. So, so salvation is merely the starting point. It is the starting point of the Christian life. But after that, we need to remain in step with the born-again life, which bears fruit in keeping with repentance. Um, so, Romans 16 verse 17 says that our born-again spirit in Christ seeks fruit that leads to life. So, how do I know someone is born again? Their spirit seeks fruit that leads to life. Um, whereas, if we still live in the flesh, Romans 7 verse 5, says that we will desire to work and seek fruit and that that fruit will lead to death. So is your spirit bearing the fruit of life or is your flesh bearing the fruit of death? And that is a simple way to discern whether someone has been born again or not, whether someone is a slave to sin or a child of God. It really is as simple as that. So so after repentance and salvation comes the fruit and the fruit always goes with this salvation and you will know you will know them by their fruits. It is as simple as that. Uh, the, the next question we often get is, do I need to be baptized to be saved? So uh, Mark 16 verse 16 says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. So do I need to be baptized to be saved? So my answer might surprise you a little bit here. And uh, and my answer is no. You do not need to be baptized to be saved. So what Mark sixteen sixteen is is basically telling us is that it is not giving us a formula but rather a confirmation of truth, a way to discern true believers in a certain age. So uh, so, so uh, Mark 16 verse 16 is actually a commentary on a common practice of the day whereby someone would publicly confess their belief and the fact that they were baptized yet still remained slaves to sin. Um, we, we, we read in Acts 8 verse 13 to 25 about uh, uh, Simon Magus who professed to believe and was baptized yet he was declared to still be in the bonds of iniquity. So in the days of Jesus, this was quite a quite a common practice. It was a way for people to get followers, followers that would sow into a certain type of ministry uh, that they did not have and were never given or mandated for. Um, so, so Jesus is not giving us a formula. He is simply giving us the confirmation of truth, the way to discern who true believers was. So whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Um, so again, it is, this wasn't a commandment to say, um, if you believe and is baptized, you will be saved. And, and, and why can't that be? For see, if any form of baptism was a prerequisite for salvation, uh, we would have a problem because then our salvation uh, would be half dependent upon our own works, our own actions, and not wholly dependent upon the works of the cross. 
So salvation cannot be dependent on the person as it is dependent on Jesus Christ and simply and merely our acceptance of what he has done. So, so what is baptism? baptism? Baptism is an external proclamation of an internal belief. It is as simple as that. Everything starts with belief. And we see, we see the same thing mentioned uh, in Acts 2 verse 38 where Peter replied, and he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So again, we, we, we see the belief and the baptism go hand in hand. Yet Peter was also not giving them a formula, but rather a name. He was on the one hand giving them a way to discern who the true believers were, and on the other hand, and on the other hand, declaring that forgiveness of sins could only happen through the name of Jesus Christ. It cannot happen through a nameless baptism. Again, which, which a lot of the people in those times were, uh, were participating in. So, so, so Peter himself, again, was not giving them a formula, but rather a name, a way, a way to discern who true believers was and encouraging them to, uh, to go after the name, encouraging them to pray in the name, encouraging them to repent unto the name Jesus Christ. For see, Peter knew this. Peter knew that if he encouraged believers um, to, uh, to earn this salvation through works, they would instantly reject the grace of the cross. They would instantly reject the blood of Jesus Christ. They would instantly reject the name of Jesus Christ. So he's not encouraging them, them towards works. He is encouraging them to accept the grace extended to them by Jesus Christ. So again, is, is baptism important? Of course it is important. But it is not part of the formula for salvation. You do not need to be baptized to be saved. You do not need to be baptized to be saved. So the the next part, uh, one of one of the the next questions we are thinking: Does salvation include the Holy Spirit? And again, if we return to um, Acts two verse thirty eight, it clearly states: uh, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So the moment you get saved, the moment you receive salvation, you automatically receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. There is no next step. There are no 12 weeks towards receiving the Holy Spirit. There's no prayer that needs to be done to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Again, uh, just to uh, just to make the distinction, there is a gift of the Holy Spirit and a baptism of the Holy Spirit, which we will cover in a next segment uh, sometime during the next couple of weeks. But the gift of the Holy Spirit um, is receivable upon salvation. It is as simple as that. You receive the Holy Spirit. How do I know if I have the Holy Spirit? We read in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, Paul states this. He says, anyone who says Jesus is Lord says it by the Spirit. So if you say that with true belief in your heart, you have the Holy Spirit, for you cannot truly say that um, without the Holy Spirit. It, it, it really is as simple and as amazing as that. Um, the, the last question, just one of the last questions, uh, what are the benefits of salvation? So uh, the benefits of salvation include everlasting life, John 3.16, the forgiveness of sins, Galatians 1 verse 4, reception of the Holy Spirit, Acts 2 uh, verse 38, indwelling of Christ, Galatians 2.20, 
shared inheritance that we have with Christ, Ephesians 1.11. A new identity we have in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Uh, we receive a calling and a purpose, Matthew 28.18-20, and so much more. So, so let me tell you, my friend, salvation is not as complicated as we often make it seem. We, we do realize that interpretations often differ. We do realize that, um, that revelation on the very same passage might often differ. But uh, this one thing I know, salvation is offered through Jesus Christ, and He doesn't make it difficult to receive it. In fact, He makes it so easy, so simple. Why? Because John 3.16, For God so loved the world, the world, that He gave His Son. He didn't say that. It doesn't say that He that He gave His Son and made it complicated for us to believe in Him, to make it complicated for us to receive Him. No, He gave His Son so that whoever, in other words, whoever believes in Him, whoever believes, what is belief? It is simply uh, confessing with your mouth and uh, believing in your heart. And that is the only prerequisite. And then you will be saved. Uh, let me tell you, my friend, it is so easy to be saved. So let me ask you this today, my friend. Do you want to receive salvation? Then uh, then simply pray after me. And, uh, and may this be the start of a process of bearing fruit, becoming a witness, and entering into the great commission of Jesus Christ. So let us pray. Father, I pray that you will forgive me of all my sins. Holy Spirit, we come before you today. And I just confess that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And Jesus, will you please forgive my sins? Will you help me to turn from my wicked ways and turn towards you? Jesus, I believe you are Lord and God. Jesus, I believe you have been raised from the dead. Accept me now as your child, as I'm accepting you as my Savior. And we thank you for this, Jesus. In your name alone, amen. And that is the greatest miracle of all. Bless you, my friends. Hope you have an amazing, great day. And uh, we'll see you next week for another episode on The Rock Podcast. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please send an email to info at therock-podcast.com. Bedankt dat je vandaag naar de podcast geluisterd hebt. Als je vragen hebt of in contact wil komen, stuur gerust een e-mail naar info at therock-podcast.com. Dank je dat je naar vandaag zijn potgooi geluisterd hebt. Als je enige vraagt of met ons wil contact maken, stuur gerust een e-post naar info at therock-podcast.com. Vielen Dank dat Sie zich in podcast heute aangehoord hebben. Als Sie vragen hebben hoe de contact afnemen mogen, zenden Sie bieten een e-mail aan info at therock-podcast.com.